Hello, this is Lydia Sarton, Registered Dietitian and Certified Diabetes Educator. What are we talking about in this episode? Sustainability. Do you even know what that means? Do you know what the carrying capacity of the world is? When are we going to run out of our resources? Well, we're going to discuss that in this podcast. So first off, let's define sustainability. What does that mean? Sustainability, the way I like to say it, is the ability to meet the needs of today without compromising the future. So currently, the way we're using our resources, we have one world, right? We all understand that aspect. Well, the way we're using our resources is at 1.25. So we're using one and one-fourth worlds when we only have one. Hmm, that's not very good. Other statistics or uh, numbers, if you're a numbers person, we are anticipated to meet our carrying capacity, so meet and exceed our carrying capacity by 2033. That's not very far. (laughs) Um, We are also anticipated to have two-thirds of the world in a water stress situation by 2025. What does that mean? You know how you run the tap and you take really long showers and all these things and you don't have to think about how much water you're truly using? That will not be the case. In fact, we'll be on an extreme conservation aspect. Now, at the end of this podcast, we're going to talk about things, small steps to net big changes when it comes to this. But we have a couple things to discuss before we get there. So, um, what about hunger? You know, have you ever truly been hungry? No, you haven't. Yes, your tummy's growled. Yes, you've been uncomfortable. Yes, you feel lightheaded and dizzy and want some food. But you have not truly been hungry. In fact, what I'm talking about is known as food insecurity. Now, what does that mean? There's not enough food. There's not enough food to feed you or your family. That actually, we think we think that that is in third world countries. But we still have that here in the U.S. And we have quite a bit of it too. So that's known as food insecurity. We don't have enough food. Another concept to take away before we dive a little deeper and talk about what we can do is the concept of food deserts. Now, you may have heard this before, but basically what it means is you have to drive or go a really long way to get food, to get nutritious food. Now, an affordable nutritious food. Here's an example. I grew up seven miles down a dirt road. Okay, cool. What does that mean? On a 300-acre farm. Cool. That sounds wonderful. Well, you drive about an hour to get to the nearest grocery store. Hmm, not cool. What if you don't have a vehicle? We did, but some didn't. That's a problem. We were in what's known as a food desert, a very rural area where really a gas station may be close, but they sell a loaf of bread that's probably going to go moldy in a day or two, Raymond noodles or ramen, however you want to say it, and a couple other un, non-nutritious food items. They may be calorically dense, but they don't have nutrition. They're not nutritionally dense. They don't have a lot of vitamins and minerals and things like that. Another common misconception would be that overweight individuals are not malnourished. Whew, that's a huge misconception. Uh, in fact, when I worked in the clinical setting, I've heard lots of people say, well, they are they didn't screen them out at uh, nutrition risk because they were 300 pounds, 400 pounds, whatever. 
Well, actually, they're probably what's known as chronically under or uh, chronic, chronically malnourished because they're eating calorically dense foods because they're broke. That's what they can afford. That's what they can have access to. They may live in a really rural area. They may, and all they have is ramen noodles, mac and cheese, junk food, honey buns. It's cheap. It's easy. It feeds the whole family. It makes those hunger pains go away. But does it have protein? Does it have vitamins? Does it have minerals? Why does this 400-pound person, 300-pound person have so much trouble healing a wound? They're malnourished. Just because they're overweight, does not mean that they are meeting their nutrition needs. Okay, another thing that you need to take away before we go a little bit into a little bit farther and talk some more about what we can do. Chronic undernutrition. Okay, this is the state of undernutrition occurring when energy and nutrient intake are insufficient to meet the individual's need for an extended period of time. Now, it's very harmful in periods of rapid growth. So let's go back to that 300 pound mother who just really needs to feed her family. She's a single mom, she has five kids, so on and so forth. She has to stretch her money as far as she can. Well, with that being said, she's gonna feed her kids cereals, honey buns, ramen noodles, things to get that rice, things to get that hunger pain away for very cheap. And especially if she has five kids and she's single and the, the dollar is not going as far as it needs to. Well, in periods of rapid growth, AKA childhood, that can really cause a lot of damage down the road. Bone, you know, meeting peak bone mass. That happens by the age of 25. No, I'm sorry, 21. And if we are not meeting the calcium needs, that means our bones are basically going to be little sponges. They are not going to be as, they're going to be brittle and they're not going to be as strong as what they need to be. But hunger hurts and so we fed them what we could so that's why you see also a lot of these programs that exist in the u.s to help meet that food insecurity that chronic undernutrition in children so you may have heard of food stamps WIC. Um, both of those programs are helpful to the child that's who they are there for because during those periods of rapid growth is when we can have the most damage done if we have undernutrition other uh, common demographics or common age groups that this is uh, that we see this in is our older adults. They're very malnourished, chronic undernutrition. Why? Because as you get older, you have impaired digestion and absorption. You also have diminished taste. You can't really taste anything. A lot of people ask me, why does Sue, okay, Sue's like in her 80s, why does she only want a cup of coffee and pie, for example? Uh, neither one of those are nutritious. Well, that's all she can taste. The last two um, taste buds to go are bitter and sweet. So that's what she can taste. Everything else is mush. Have you ever had a cold and you just didn't want to eat because you couldn't taste anything? That's their life. Except they can taste sweet and bitter. Also, of course, lack of funds to buy food. So once we get, or even the inability to cook, you know, activities of daily living, this is where an occupational therapist would come in. And I mean, Sue can't even, she has rheumatoid arthritis in her hands so bad, she can't even stir a pot. So um, that's where we see these other U.S. programs coming in, such as Meals on Wheels. That really helps elderly. Okay. 
What are some other statistics I would like you to know? Um, so factors that contribute to uh, undernutrition would be mm, parasites, overpopulation, diseases, wars, food distributions, um, such as poor roads. So this is what we really see maybe in other countries, not so much here. Lack of sanitary water supplies, cultural traditions, and really depleted farmland and resources. We see that as a problem. Okay, so what about the U.S.? So we have that food insecurity. That's our biggest issue. We have low food security, which is just redu reduced nutritional quality of their diet, but very low food security is reduction, chronic reduction in quality and quantity. So it exists here too. Okay, so I want to conclude this episode with small steps that you can do. All right, so as we've discussed, it... Um, it's here in the U.S., it's, and then we also have a world problem. So what can we do? Do you know local food banks that you could volunteer at? Um, could you be more resourceful with your water usage? So we know that by 2025, we're anticipated to be two-thirds water-stressed area. How long is your shower? I mean, point blank. Do you let the faucet run? Why and for how long? How about when you're washing your hands? Do you have a drip? Do you have a faucet that drips? Do you waste a lot of fresh water? Taking steps to conserve, conserve and preserve fresh water is one of the ways that we will help with that water stress situation. Um, what about food? What about, um, are you throwing away a lot of food? Maybe we shouldn't buy as much fresh. Maybe we should move towards frozen vegetables instead because we're seeing a lot of food waste in your home. Um, what about recycling? I mean, how much plastic are you using? How much plastic are you throwing away? Do you recycle? Uh, what about the glass? What about um, uh, cardboard? Are you taking steps to, re to recycle to decrease what's going into landfills? What about those plastic bags that we get our groceries in? Are you returning those to, you know, some places like Walmart will have where you can return the plastic bags. Are you doing that or are you just throwing them away? Are you reusing them in some form or fashion? What are you doing with all those plastic bags? Have you ever seen what our ocean looks like with plastic? Plastic is a problem. So I hope this was educational. There was quite a bit that we hit in a short amount of time, but very important. Why is this so important to me? Because I have kids. I really didn't care till I had kids. And once I saw future generations, I mean, even small steps such as a reusable cup, reusable straws, not plastic straws. You Small steps will net big results if you just start doing something. So be sure to at least, I challenge you to do one small step to make a change today after doing listening to this podcast. Again, thank you so much for listening. I hope that you found this educational and you took something away from it. I'll chat at you again soon.